Hi, welcome back to Wickedly Macabre. I'm Tiffany Trigetta. Hi, I'm Dee Seibel. Hi, Dee Dee, how are you? You know what? As usual, I'm freaking exhausted. We haven't talked in a, in a, in a while. We've both been really, really busy. Yes, we have. I went to Las Vegas with a big group of friends um, a couple weeks ago. And you had your nephew for spring break. So we've been doing some fun stuff. Life has been crazy. Uh, Tiffany is working an 80-hour work week this week. So good job. And that's not even including podcast time. Um, me, I mean, I, I feel like I'm working a lot. But I also just mom a lot. Anyway, back to the fun stuff. Las Vegas. It was so cool. We haven't talked about this because I wanted it. I wanted to save my Las Vegas stories for you for the podcast. How was your Las Vegas trip? Uh, it was pretty spiffy, I have to say. I saw a couple really cool shows, ate some great food, hung out with amazing people. Uh, we went with a group of 10, or we were in a group of 10, and um, it was it was a lot of fun. And on our last night, we were waiting to meet up with people at um, a casino. It was Caesars, because they had the fountains out front. Or no, Bellagio. The Bellagio has the fountains out, out front, right? Yeah, the Bellagio fountains. And we were seeing a show there, which was the Cirque du Soleil uh, O show, which was absolutely stunning, minus the clowns. But I made through. I made it through, Tiffany. I was a big girl. That's awesome. Yes. Nobody got violently hurt or killed. And as we're waiting for everybody to match up, we decide to like play the slot. We were the first ones there. We go to play the slot machines and I give Jeff $20 and I take $20 and we're not big gamblers. Like I had already lost $100 at the, Cosmo at the Cosmopolitan uh, earlier that day when we were kind of like figuring out our plans or whatever. And so it's just like, whatever, it's just a few minutes. We're just occupying time. I'm not putting another $100 in, it's just $40. So I go to a slot machine and it's one of those video slots and I lose $5. Jeff goes to the next one and he doubles his money. He takes his 20 and he turns it into 55. And then he loses 15, so he's down to 40 bucks. And I was like, you know, let's see if, if something calls to me, you know? Let's see if a machine out there calls to me and then we'll play on that machine. I am gonna trust my instincts, right? Right? Yeah. And that usually always fails me when it comes to gambling. I have never won big ever. The most I have ever walked away from is uh, $50 winning. Like that's it. Same actually. It's half digital, but it, it has like the actual rolling things. It's not a video screen. And I was like, okay. So I put my ticket in and I press a button and I think I win like a small thing. Right. And I was like, okay, well I hit it again. Nothing happens. I hit it again. Nothing happens. I hit it a third time. Nothing happens. I'm like, okay, it doesn't look like I have that many credits left. I'm just going to do max bid and I'm going to play. And I do that. 
and it pops up with a seven, a seven, and a seven, and one of those sevens has a double sticker on it, and I see my credits go up, and I'm just like, cool. And with video poker or any sort of like um, digital credit system for gambling, one credit or 100 credits usually equals $1, right? So one credit equals a penny and then 100 credits equals a dollar. So I see my thing, my credit total after this winning show 602 credits. I'm like, okay, so I've whittled my winnings down to $6 and two cents. I'm like, well, that sucks, but you know, I'll print this off. We'll try a different machine. You know, I got some extra cash. We still got time to burn, whatever. You have your $40 and you're the big winner tonight, Jeff. Print out my ticket, I turn it over and I'm shocked. It wasn't $6.02. No, it was $602. How did you not tell me that before? Uh, because I wanted to save this for you. $602. So I was a hundred I was $460 positive on my gambling extravaganzas. So like I go and we immediately cash out and I'm just like, oh my God, $600. It's crazy. That's insane. Like I, this doesn't happen to me. Never. Wow. And <laughs> I feel so stupid because it's, it's a lot of money, but like, it's not really a lot of money, but like I'm taking the money and I'm just like, oh, I can't have this in my purse. Somebody's going to steal my purse. They're going to know that I won $602. So I stick it in my bra, right? <laughs> and yeah, no, that was pretty itchy, <laughs> itchy for the rest of the night. But there's nothing more magical to me than when you go to Vegas, at least, is being on the strip at night. So we walked the strip that evening. It was our last night in Vegas. Um, so we said goodbye to our friends. And we walked back to the hotel, which really wasn't that far. And it was just, it was beautiful. Just absolutely stunning. We saw the fountains go off at the Bellagio. Uh, we see, you know, across the street, it's the Paris Hotel and Casino. And it's just, it's gorgeous. And I can't say it enough, but I love Las Vegas. I love going there. It's just, it's magical to me. That's I awesome. Great. I'm, I'm crazy, but yeah. But you had an exciting week last week, the spring break, and and your nephew being over. Man, you told me about it, and it just jam-packed. Yep. All they want to do is play video games. <laughs> and we're like, Carson, you have to do other things. Like, go to the zoo and hang out and swim and, you know. Uh, we saw the new Disney movie. We got him a little gift and a little um, panda and then we went to the zoo and he loves the bears. Aww. So we got him a little bear plushie. Cute. Um, yeah, we just, it was nice. Just hanging out. And then Friday I came back to work and let's see, I've already worked 48 hours. 
since Sunday. My God. And I'm working 80 this week. So that's kind of uh, why you sound completely fried right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, my story is all, like, eventful, and I bust out the drama and the extravaganza of it all, and you're just like, we did stuff. <laughs> we was fun. Woo. Yeah. I, I know. It sounded like fun. I felt so bad because I didn't plan anything for our spring break. It completely just skipped my mind. Slipped my mind? Is it skipped my mind or slipped my mind? Anyway, I felt really, really bad. So on Saturday, I, so this last Saturday, I told the kids, like, I'm going to take you to the beach or the gorge or somewhere so we can go and hang out. Where do you want to go? I just want to go to the park. You, Aww. you just want to go to the park. You don't want to, no, I just want to go to the park. Oh, okay. We can go to the park. <laughs> We what did about, that too. We went to the park. What about what about something like let's make this a little special? This is our last hurrah of spring break. The only hurrah of spring break. Like, let's go and do something. So I took them to a specialty market, and this market specializes in like Asian uh, imports for cool. for food and stuff. And my kids love pocky and ramen, and so do I. So I gave them each twenty dollars to spend on whatever they want. But I told them, after you spend that $20, you don't get any more. And if you want something more than something that you've already chosen, you're gonna have to put something back. So it was also a lesson in responsibility and that kind of stuff. But they had so much fun with it. So much fun. And Tibbs, he couldn't find enough stuff to buy for himself. So he ended up buying his sister like a soda and some, I think he bought her the Pockies so he was really, really Aww. sweet and kind. And he, he kind of really thrived with that. So I was really proud of him. Really proud of him. That's cute. Fun creepy facts to creep you out. All right. So this one I accidentally came across today because I was talking with someone at work or a couple of my coworkers at work about sloths and how they like only come down and poop once a week and they were fascinated by it. And then that reminded me of this creature that was also kind of like slow and cute. And I Googled it and I found out that they have an interesting trait. So today's fun fact to creep you out is about the slow loris. The slow loris is an adorable small primate that can be found in the bamboo forests of South and Southeastern Asia. These cute creatures are hard to find and have been baffling scientists for quite some time now because the slow loris is the only venomous primate. And they are not entirely sure how it developed this trait. Its venom is a two-part mix of armpit excretions and their sal saliva mixing in their mouth, uh, embedding it into their like molars and creating a venom that causes their bite victim's flesh to rot or basically like melt off. Initially, they thought it was a defense mechanism for predators, but after a recent study focused on their daily lives, health, and all the jib-jab scientists want to know about animals, they found that many slow, slow lorises had 
been coming in for their health checks had multiple slow loris bites on them. And even there was, there's been cases where they would find slow lorises with like half their face melted off. So they now suspect it is also used to fight off rivals in defense of their territory. And one scientist that was involved in the study was quoted as saying, they really are adorable little fur balls of death. And wow. there's, yep, there's your fun fact to creep you out. How do you feel about that? That's crazy. Right? And they are, yeah, they're I really tiny. Them. Um, I got kind of turned on to them quite a few, like 10 years ago. There is a viral video of this uh, guy who had a slow loris kind of like propped up on his knees and he was tickling them. And then he would just kind of like swing his arms up like he was laughing and he would do that over and over again. And I didn't, I never knew that they were venomous ever. I didn't even know that they existed. Yeah, they exist. <laughs> yeah. And they're actually That's a really part cool. of a very small handful of venomous mammals. So the only primate to be venomous and I think there's like less than 10 mammals I could be wrong um, on the planet that are venomous so there's that too so it's a pretty cool animal go check it out we'll have a source with um, the facts that I got for for uh, today's fun fact in the in the description and stuff um, but cool little creatures very adorable would not want to have them as a pet or bite me uh, yeah, no. Let's go to the coin of fate. On that note, I guess it's time to flip the flippity flip coin. Today, I have a U.S. nickel because I'm being lazy about it. It is, <laughs> it is a 2014 Liberty nickel. And um, I guess I'm just going to flip this bad boy. Oh, fun fact about today's episode, um, because I have been crazy and uh, stuff, I am the author of both a true crime story to choose from and a paranormal story to choose from. So I authored both options. Let's see which one we chose today. And it is Tails. So we're going to go for a tale for a tale. Um, we are going to talk about our paranormal story today. Tiffany. My That's my name. Yes, I know it's your name. My sweet, sweet macabre <laughs> bobs. I was thinking times are crazy. Artillery is flying. COVID is still being a dick. Gas and grocery prices are soaring. And the world is undergoing some hard times right now. And if you're like me, you are reminiscing about better days. Days when you were young and innocent, playing in the yard, making mud pies, rollerblading, and going to slumber parties, and not full of adult responsibilities and worries. In my childhood, my sister Mindy and my cousin Stephanie, who are much older than me, took pleasure in scaring me. I think they thought it would deter me from wanting to hang out with them, but it didn't. I look 
I looked up to both of those girls ever since I could remember, envious of the bond that they had and wanting to be right in the middle of it. They were wild and fun kids who seemed fearless, confident, and in control. I was always fearful. I played life safe while they danced on the edge. So with the hopes of getting rid of their young chicken shit tag along, they forced me to watch horror movies, tell me ghost stories, and challenged me to the ultimate childhood ritual, Bloody Mary. That's right, our macabobs. We are diving deep into the Bloody Mary legend. They locked me in a dark bathroom, I don't know how many times, but I always refused to play and I screamed at them to let me out. They weren't the only ones to challenge me either. It was the ultimate slumber party challenge when you get bored with the movies, truth or dare, prank calls, and blackjack. You eventually land on Bloody Mary. Tiffany, have you played Bloody Mary? The only thing that I remember is, um, do you remember the light is a feather thing? Yeah. That was like a... Yeah, yeah okay, so... So you did When that. I was in Campfire... Yeah, well, I was in Campfire, and one time we, uh got locked into a church and stayed overnight and I decided it would be fun me and my friend decided it would be fun to scare the crap out of everyone so we ran around the church making really loud noises wow all over to scare people yeah it was great you hear your friends clamoring up the stairs or hallway as quietly as they can so they can hear you call her name from outside the door you find your position in front of the bathroom mirror. You close your eyes and spin once, Bloody Mary. Spin twice, again you say, Bloody Mary. You spin a third time, perhaps a tad slower, Bloody Mary. Hesitating for half a second before opening your eyes, you find yourself standing in front of a mirror, looking at your reflection. You examine every inch of what's in front of you, checking for anything that is a bit strange. Here is where the tale usually changes for everyone who plays. Most will claim that nothing happened and there's no such thing as Bloody Mary. But there are others who have played that experience a terrifying paranormal incident. Are you ready, Tiffany? Ready. Blood starts to drip from the mirror. Your image distorts into an angry woman's face staring back at you. She raises her hand and starts reaching out toward the mirror. Then you notice her fingers have crossed the barrier of the mirror as if it were an open window. You scream and grab at the doorknob, twisting and pulling to get out of the room, but it won't budge. It's locked or stuck, but you didn't lock it. Is there even a lock? Are your friends holding it shut on the other side? You cry out to your friends, let me out, let me out, as you pull harder on the knob. Looking back into the mirror, Mary's arms are reaching for you, inching closer. She slaps at you, claws at you, leaving bloody scratches along your arms. You scream and the door flies open. Your friends are on the other side, eyes wide and unblinking, looking at you terrified. You push through them as they are asking, what happened? What did you see? Are you okay? And the occasional dickbag friend will chime in saying, they're fine. They just faked it or there's no such thing as Bloody Mary. There also have been rumors of Bloody Mary haunting the home she is conjured at, or even the person who called her name. The cases of positions have been also traced back to the person performing this ritual. One story I read 
a teenager who had done the challenge, was driving home and saw Bloody Mary in the back seat of her car, which caused her to swerve and crash her car. Who is Bloody Mary? And where does she come from? Is it three spins or 13 spins? Because I grew up and it was three spins, but a lot of the stories I was hearing was stating 13 spins. Could we be conjuring a tormented spirit to us from the great beyond? Does science have the answers we seek? These are the questions I ask myself as an enthusiast of the paranormal, an investigator, a dabbler of the occult and the believer. So we are gonna take a trip through time, history and the occult to find the answers today. The Bloody Mary game we know today first popped up not that long ago in the 1960s or 70s. Before that, there was a similar mirror game young women would play at the turn of the century. On Halloween night, a young lady who has not yet married would walk up a darkened staircase backwards holding a lit candle, look into a mirror only lit by the flame of her candle to see the face of the man that she would marry or a skull. And if she saw the skull, it meant that she would die before she was married. This game served as the base of the Bloody Mary game. Now, the person that Bloody Mary is thought to be is actually three people. They've speculated that it could be one of three of these people or maybe inspired by all three. And the first would be the first female British monarch, Queen Mary I. A Hungarian Countess Elizabeth Bathory who bathed in the blood of her female subjects. Or the very obscure Mary Worth, a commoner who might be a witch burnt at the stake during the Salem witch trials or a murderer of those trying to escape via the Underground Railroad. Myself and many others, including scholars, believe the most likely person Bloody Mary could be was Queen Mary I. And here's why. Not to state the obvious, like her name was Mary, okay? But her life kind of matches up to why this spirit that we see in the mirror, when we ask for Bloody Mary to come to us, is kind of, you know, perturbed. So, who was Mary the first? Mary Tudor was born February 18th, 1516. She was the first queen of England to inherit the throne, but despite her being born a princess, her life was tumultuous. After all, her father was Henry VIII and her mother was his first wife, Catherine of Aragon. Obsessed with obtaining a male heir, which Catherine failed to produce, Henry made history to divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, separating England from Rome the Pope, the Catholic Church in the process, he created the Church of England, became the head of the Church of England, a Protestant, and married Anne Boleyn. Due to her father's choices, though, Mary was declared illegitimate, sent away, separated from her mother, and stripped of her princess title. She would only hold the title of lady-in-waiting for her younger half-sister, Elizabeth. We all know Anne Boleyn was beheaded and Henry married quite a few times, but the next time she, he married to Jane Seymour. And no, not the amazing actress. This was the 1500s, people. Come on. Okay. Read up on your history. All right. 
and he finally got a male heir from James Seymour, Edward, or Edward VI. Just before Henry died, he changed the order of succession for his children in his will. It would now be Edward, Mary, Elizabeth. When Edward died on the throne at 16 years old, Mary then had to fight for her succession right to the throne. And when she finally won, she overturned everything her father had done that made her life hell. Her parents' divorce now never occurred. She was now legitimate again. The Church of England? Nope, gone. Now England was back to Catholicism and in, good, and in the good graces of the Church of Rome. She was full of revenge, rage, and determinations to make things right again while also proving to her country that a woman is just as capable to be a great ruler as a man can be. Her husband, Philip of Spain, rejected her and was nearly always out of the country to avoid her. They never produced any errors. Any Protestants not willing to convert back to Catholicism were prosecuted as heretics and burned at the stake. Many fled England just to avoid going up in flames to uh, Protestant strongholds around Europe. But 280 people were killed for their religious beliefs. Each of them burnt like a log until they were ash, including one of her father's advisors. The Protestants referred to her as Bloody Mary. Thus, the moniker is born. She died November 17, 1558 from an illness thought to be ovarian cancer. She was childless and alone and she only reigned for five years. Now her sister Elizabeth takes over the throne, right? And this is Elizabeth I. She's now sitting on the, the throne and she reverses everything that Mary undid and brought back the England her father had fought so hard to develop. I can understand why she is so mad and full of rage when she appears in that mirror to her unsuspecting victims. But why a mirror? Why does a mirror bring her to us? Mirrors have been around for thousands of years, made from a multitude of materials, the first of which was obsidian, volcanic glass, dated back to 8,000 BC to consume their human counterparts and their souls. A war raged between humans and fauna, and eventually us humans won the fight, beating them back into the mirror world and locking them in using magic fish as guardians to keep the window closed. It is said that if you see light or movement out of the corner of your eye coming from the mirror, that it is the fish guarding the doorway and protecting us from the fauna escaping to devour us again. In Roman times, oracles used mirrors as a divination tool to predict if someone who was in ill health was going to get better or die. They would lower the mirror into a still body of water and then examine the patient's reflection. If the mirror reflected them being sick, they would die. And if they looked well, they would recover soon. The Aztecs also used obsidian mirrors for scrying and rituals to serve one of their gods, Tezquilapoca, Tez, Tezquilapoca, which translated from the Nahuatl, 
meaning smoke and mirrors. One of these mirrors actually ended up in the, in the possession of the famous English scientist John Dee, who lived from 1527 to 1608. He kept the obsidian mirror in a shark skin case and is now located at the British Museum. It is 7.2 inches in diameter, nearly a perfect circle. It was found with a note in shark skin in, in the shark skin case which referred to the mirror as the devil's looking glass. It is said that John D, no relation to me, FYI, because his last name is D and my first name is D. <laughs> John D also dabbled in the occult and used the mirror for scrying and divination rituals. Probably why he called it the devil's looking glass. Multiple cultures around the world cover mirrors after the death of a loved one with the belief that if you carry a dead body in front of a mirror or if the spirit of your loved one looks into a mirror their soul will be trapped in the mirror and they will never move on or find peace in the afterlife more recently a psychomantium was developed in the 1900s as a way to communicate with spirits and the way that this worked is you sat in a dark room, lit very dimly, you would stare into a mirror which was angled only to reflect the darkness. This opened a portal to communicate with the spirit realm. Mirrors have been presented to us for a long time as a window or doorway to another world, the spirit world, the demon realm, a portal to the afterlife, if you will. And we have been using it to seek answers to the unknown along the way for scrying, conjuring, divination rituals for just as long as they've been around. Now, for those of you who don't know the difference between scrying and conjuring uh, and divination, here's the definitions that I have found. Conjuring is to summon using magical or supernatural power. So in this ritual, calling Bloody Mary three or 13 times would be a summoning spell or incantation. So that would be a conjuring. Divination is seeking knowledge of the future or unknown by supernatural means. We are seeking to know if she is real, for it is unknown to us if she is. Scrying is divination by gazing into a reflective surface. There are many different forms, including crystalmancy, the use of crystal balls, cat optromancy, the use of mirrors, and hydromancy, the use of water. This ritual is considered cat optromancy because we're using a mirror. Troxler's fading, self-hypnosis, apophonia, and isoptrophobia. Troxler's fading is when our own eyes play tricks on us, creating optical illusions. Have you ever played one of those games where you are presented a picture of the American flag with the inverted colors, and then you stare at it unblinkingly? And then it changes to like a white page and you all of a sudden see the American flag in all of its red, white, and blue glory. No, I haven't. You haven't seen that little video? Oh, okay. Have you ever like um, been sent like a one of those uh, bullseye photos on Facebook and you're told to like stare right at the center of it? Yeah. And then shit starts moving? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Troxler's fading, okay? Could, oh, okay? could staring at our own image unblinking cause us to see our own face distort and mutate into something 
something unrecognizable. Could the brightness of the ever-changing flame imprinting in our retinas cause us to think blood is starting to fill the mirror? Or could it be self-hypnosis, which is normally used as a self-improvement ritual, which has the following steps to achieve? These are just some of the steps that are involved. There's a lot more. Um, I don't have a link to like the how-to source that I got this from, but step one, have a goal. Two, wear comfortable clothing and be at a comfortable temperature. Three, be in a quiet environment. Some people opt to sit or lay down. Four, close your eyes and feel your body relax. Five, repeat your goal or affirmation. Six, have an uninterrupted 30 minutes. Five minutes to get into the trance, 15 to 20 minutes to get into a deep trance, and five minutes to get out of the trance. I think this one is the stretch, okay? I As it revolves around relaxation and comfort and the ritual is the complete opposite. It is anxiety producing and uncomfortable, but there is a bit of overlap here. So the most obvious ones I'm going to point out, which is comfortable clothes could be PJs. The goal to see Bloody Mary, closing our eyes and repeating the goal. Okay, that's us saying her name, however many times the ritual calls for. And then being in a quiet environment, a bathroom, a dark, lonely bathroom. Is it possible to self-hypnotize in a matter of less than five minutes and cause yourself to see something in the mirror accomplishing your goal? Could those of us who unknowingly do this to ourselves and consider us Okay, I, I, is it possible to self-hypnotize in a matter of less than five minutes and cause yourself to see something in the mirror to accomplish said goal? Could those of us who unknowingly do this to ourselves and consider us ourselves haunted later could just not understand that we're in a locked state of meditation that we didn't know we were in and still need to get out of? And that's, those are, those are the questions I ask because it is, that one's out of everything. I think that is the most far-fetched one, right? I, people will probably disagree with me and that's fine, but I think self-hypnosis is the biggest debatable one of them all. Or could it be some form of apophenia, the human ability to perceive or connect or create a meaningful pattern between random things such as fate or destiny. There's also, it could be isoptrophia, the fear of mirrors or the fear of one's own reflection. This is a rare anxiety-filled disorder that can find its trigger in believing in superstitions, trauma, or poor self-image? Is it possible that we are allowing our minds to play tricks on our very impressionable child minds? Absolutely. It is very possible that the Dick Wad friend was right. We saw nothing or we saw what we wanted to see or didn't want to see simply because we were looking for it and anticipating it. 
but I also believe that mirrors are a powerful tool used for connecting to the other side, a portal older and more common than the taboo spirit boards and crystal balls. As we welcome mirrors willingly into our homes to serve our own vanities. When I started investigating this urban myth and its paranormal ties, I didn't believe that Bloody Mary was real or that people saw something in the mirror besides themselves. In fact, I humored my son about a year ago and performed the ritual to prove it wasn't real to him. I thought the Bloody Mary was based off of Elizabeth Bathory, the countess who bathed in the blood of hundreds of her young female subjects. I didn't know mirrors were revered as portals or used in rituals as much, if not more, than they have been used to feed our vanity. So would I perform it today knowing what I know now? I don't know. I'm a weirdo. I'm a 50-50 believer and non-believer. For I have both seen and felt things I cannot explain in my life, but I also believe in a scientific study, facts, and results. I know now that mirrors are powerful and should not be played with or used to open the door for a woman who was full of rage and determination in life, then tormented and called upon to unrest in her afterlife. Or what if it's not even her? What if it's a mirror demon like the fauna? who takes advantage of the opportunity to torture humans, reveling in the fear her name instills in us, feeding off of it. I wouldn't want to pull off a successful conjuring of Bloody Mary. I would not want to attempt and tempt fate and bring whatever it is that is conjured into my life without some serious protection spells and totems and a clear way to close that open portal, even if there is a bigger chance it is all imaginary. As far as my sister and cousin go, we all grew up. We started families of our own. Mindy and I are still relatively close. She's coming up in um, later this year. And I'm super excited because I haven't seen her in almost 10 years. And um, thinking about it, I get a little teary-eyed. Um, we're still relatively close despite leaving a million miles from each other. I still look up to my big sister. She has constantly challenged me to think and adapt in ways I don't think I could have without her. We are not as close with Stephanie anymore, our cousin, but she has her own family unit and life and I'm really happy for her. What I never really said to either of them is they helped me realize my own strengths and personality were quite different from their own. Maybe it was learning from their mistakes so I didn't have to make my own I'm glad I got to tag along as many times as I did for as long as I did. I am thankful that they challenged me and caused me great anxiety so I could start the building blocks of how to overcome that. They also sheltered and protected me, gave me a place to escape, and I love those memories just as I love them. Um, oh, and Stephanie, if you are listening, which you probably aren't, I'd like my butterfly ring back and my anger management 2002 tour t-shirt back, or I'm going to conjure Bloody Mary to your house. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. You still alive there, Tiffany? Hello? Still awake, still alive. Okay, you were really quiet. Are you, are you okay? Thoughts? Feelings? 
Actions. Yeah, I'm good. Did- you made me get all teary, though, at the end. Yeah, I know. It's sappy. I've been sappy the last couple episodes I've done because, I don't know, I've just been inspired by family, I guess, lately. Like, I... Yeah. I'm really thankful to be given the life that I have. You know, it was it was never easy. It's still not easy. But every moment I'm just very incredibly grateful for. And there's these amazing people in, our, in my life. And they inspire me. So I guess that's kind of like where I'm at right now. Is all gushy and mushy and tear jerking. Yeah. So what do you think? I would like I would like to say hi to Minnie. Hi Minnie. Yes. Hi my sissy. I love you so much. I know you're eventually going to listen to this and I hope you appreciate the surprise and I love you. We love you. More yeah. her than me. Well yeah, you know, blood. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I didn't know that story really. Yeah. At all. You know, I think I I think that um People look at it as some sort of like simple, simple game. But the more I like thought about it, the more I realized, because I do have a history of um, practicing Wicca and witchcraft. And um, when I started digging more and more into it, I I started making the connection. I was just like, wait a second. Hmm. This lines up with this could this actually be happening? And, and that's when like my research blew up and I could have, there was, there's another portion of the ritual that I did not dive into because I could not find a stable enough diagram or guide into candle magic because the, the type of candle you can use or are using could affect what you're doing as well so that's that's another part in it that is just like little bits and pieces but like I said there's not a whole lot that was really stable information that I could pull from and say hey this is what a white candle means and this is what a black candle means but at the end of the day across most if not all um rituals and uh kind of witchy occult type stuff it is the intent that you're bringing that has the truest effect on what you were doing and um I've always believed that I still believe that and that's like core to who I am if you go in there with the intent of negative 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 um, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. But if you go in there and you have this open, like if you, I know it sounds weird and I'm getting all kind of like wishy-washy, but like if you go in and your chest is open and your heart chakra is open and you have the energy flowing through you, you're going to have an effect around you because we're all just energy. Yeah. That is my kind of belief. And I believe that in everything. Not just like, oh, hey, I'm going to, you know, do a little scrying and such. No, it's like, 
you know, I'm going to go and pick up my son from, from school. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be, I'm going to come in there with positive intent, you know, yeah. or I'm going to have a meeting with so-and-so. I'm going to go in there with the intent of professionalism or I'm going to be ready for a fight. Like you have that intent, you have that intention and that affects how the rest of it goes. Absolutely. And then some people are just more in tune to the sensitive, like in, in tune sensitively or clairvoyantly to that type of material. And they do get more feedback. They do see more. They do hear more. They, they get to experience things on a whole nother level. And if you don't know if you have that, that, that ability, it's terrifying. So to all of our macabre bobs, our sweet, sweet macabre bobs, practice magic carefully don't kill anybody and don't be conjuring up things that you don't know what they're gonna do like just don't just, you know stop it and on that note i have an appointment to play D with uh the same friends that we went to las vegas with so i bid you adieu i hope you have fun Thank you. I hope you get some sleep. Thank you. And uh, I guess, bye. Bye.